0: The FT. The artist is present. That's the title of a work by performance artist Marina Abramovich and of Matthew Aker's film made last year about the 64 year old's last appearance in New York. Her piece has passed into legend of a kind. It consists of Abramovich sitting motionless and speechless on a chair in the gallery, silently facing whatever viewer or participant comes to sit opposite her. That's it. Let's leave aside all those but-is-it-art questions and ask a different one. Why would anyone want to sit in that opposite chair? In silence, in the full beam of the artist's attention? Watching paint dry comes to mind as a plausible alternative. Yet this performance piece explains itself pretty clearly in its title, a title that's relevant and prescient to so much of the current artscape. We're in a moment of paradox. On one hand, we can consume our art in an increasingly digitised environment with all the benefits of accessibility and reach that that brings. I can stay at home and wander the rooms of a great museum, zoom in on the art at my leisure, listen to music, watch films or a dancer, hear podcast talks, a hundred other things. There's no need to go out or to come face to face with anyone. Yet the ever-increasing number of events that depend for their impact on human agency, which is what Abramovich's work is all about, speaks of a real hunger for personal presence for the non-digitised. As the summer festival season comes into view, even if dimly through a sheet of British drizzle, this strange paradox shows itself to be as strong as ever. In an era when publishers are struggling to sell books, literary festivals are more buoyant than ever. People will buy a ticket to hear a writer read, or listen to them speak, or be in their presence when they apparently bulk at paying the same amount for the actual book. Digital transmission of music has never been better. Yet, when the bedraggled and aged remnants of decades-old rock bands haul themselves back up on stage, the demand for tickets is unprecedented. Even lectures, perhaps not quite an art form, but certainly a form of performance, have made the most unlikely comeback of all, with talks and discussions at all levels playing to growing audiences. How the Light Gets In, a philosophy festival held at hay on has grown in just six years from a handful of talks over the course of a weekend into a mighty 500-eventer. Philosophy live? Who'd have thought it? And performance art? It's hardly new, in fact it was experimental a full half century ago when the groundbreakers of the 1960s and 70s were exploring the territory, but it is having a strong resurgence. Tate Modern's newest space, the Tanks, is devoted to a whole art in action programme and even art fairs are swimming with the tide. At Freeze New York's second edition, in a month's time, performance will be everywhere. Among much else, veteran of the 60s performance scene Joan Jonas makes an appearance, and the highly respected Manhattan gallerist Marion Goodman will be devoting her whole booth to performance work by Tino Segal. Oh yes, you can buy and sell performance art, and if you want to know how, search for Gareth Harris's article on the subject on ft.com. What is the common denominator of all these trends? It's simple. It's that the artist in whatever form is present. The paradox of our digital age is our hunger for the real thing. Tino Segal takes this to extremes. He will allow no depiction of what he does in any photographic form. The artist or artists must be present. Our eagerness For real-time, real-life performance is even helping to create new art forms, or perhaps to remould existing ones. A couple of weeks ago, the Ted Hughes Award for New Work in Poetry was given to Kate Tempest, a spoken word performer, or unlikely rapper, unlikely that is, for being small, blonde, and female. Her winning title speaks volumes about the form in which she's working. It's called Brand New Ancients. To narrate for an hour... Over an orchestral score by Nell Catchpole and others may draw on the most ancient artistic tradition of all storytelling live and real. Tempest gives it a very new twist, speaking truth to power and drawing on her own wayward youth, as she puts it, hanging around on picket lines, rapping at riot cops. Then moving up through the club scene and open mic nights to finding herself, at the age of just 27, writing for the RSC and garnering an award in the posh establishment surroundings of the Savile Club, it's a good trajectory. And so perhaps it's no surprise that spoken word events, along with poetry slams and rap battles, are multiplying as fast as other live performance. Poets and other writers have always declaimed or read aloud their work. Dickens' readings drew crowds of many thousands and in the great Islamic courtly tradition the declaiming poet had an essential place, central to high cultural life. Ted Hughes himself was a stunning reader, not only because of a positively dangerous level of personal magnetism and a resonant bass voice that sounded as if it was coming from the clouds above, but because of something to do with attention. Just like the person sitting on the chair in front of Abramovich, you felt the full beam of someone's focus right on you. I once heard Hughes at a Remembrance Day service in which living poets were reading poetry of the First World War. That kind of thing can be, let's face it, pretty boring. Goody-goody. But Wilfred Owen's Dulce et Decorum Est, when thundered from a London pulpit by Hughes, made a whole shivering audience feel as if the blinded, bloodshod soldiers were right there among us. As for Hughes and Owen, both artists were present. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.